Excuse me. Good morning, everyone. Excuse my once a year cold. But I'm here. Cold or no cold, here I am. It's going to take more than the cold to slow us down around here. Amen? Amen. We said before, if we have to get up here in crutches, we're coming up. We have to get up here in wheelchairs, we're coming up. We have to get up here. People holding us, we're coming up. Because the ministry of the Word of God is more important than how we feel. So, so glad to see you this morning. I know that everyone is anxiously anticipating being able to quote his memorized or her memorized word. Now, I know this already. I know that when I ask for those of you who memorize these two verses that we're actually going to get an avalanche of people attacking us to quote the word. We understand that. So let me just ask us to be very reserved in this. And would just a couple of three of you who would like to raise your hands, <laughs> having memorized and being ready to come to the mic, Linda Pratt is already going. Look, look, look. She's like this. I mean, you know, she is awesome. And if you're ready to come to the mic and have memorized your word, would you just raise your hand? Now, let's be a little more aggressive than just nobody. One, two. Three, four. Is Kristen here? Did you raise your hand? Come on down. Now, you can't bring your Bible. That's cheating. Uh, don't turn the clock on yet. I, I'm, I'm, this isn't official. Come on. Come on down. You'll remember it today. She's speaking all kinds of gems, and we want to hear everything she's saying. Come on. Okay. Go ahead. You need this just in case? Well, sometimes a little prompting helps. We all know it, but sometimes the pressure. Go ahead. Everybody's for you because everybody's excited about this. Just do it. This is this week's. I forgot. I myself did not know him. Yes. But he who sent me baptizes water. Yes. Said. Said to me. Now, everyone who giggled, we took your picture. And for the gigglers, next week, you better be ready. Because the rest of us want to giggle, right? Thank you so much, Kristen. We do have a memory verse or verses every week. The purpose of studying the Word of God is not just hearing we're being told, and not just reading something, but 
putting it to memory so the Holy Spirit will take that material of the Word, that substance of that Word, and at the right time and in the right way, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to minister to us and through us. So that's why we want to memorize the Word. Not only to be able to say we did it, but greater for the purpose of having the substance of God in us alive in such a way that we will always be ready to speak the accuracy and the power of God's Word and watch the Holy Spirit often right before our eyes change people. Amen? So that's what we're doing as we memorize. So for next week, John chapter 1, verses 35 to 37. I have a little unit there. If you would be looking at those and memorizing those, and hopefully you will have the right card, not the one that I should have given to Kristen this morning. So thank you so much, Kristen, for coming down. Would you be turning, please, to John chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. You remember what we are doing? We're surveying the Gospel of John and doing it in such a way that it won't be a verse-by-verse exposition, but it will be groups of Scriptures sequentially moving through the Gospel as the Holy Spirit gives us revelation and understanding of what to say from that particular group of Scriptures that the Holy Spirit on that weekend, wants to say to us, there's going to be so much more than we can say. This morning, we're going to use these scriptures as a revelation of a large issue, but there's so much within the context of these verses and so many things we could spend hours and hours upon speaking. And so if you have a favorite verse or a set of verses in this particular gospel, and we don't get to explicate those as you would like us to. Just remember this, that we are doing what we believe the Holy Spirit wants to lift out of those verses for us, to apply to our lives as we move through this gospel. Now, you remember what the Apostle John has already been doing. For the first 34 verses, John has been, if you would, setting the stage, getting everything ready for the play. Anybody ever been involved in drama and you know that there's a lot to get ready, a lot to do, a lot of background work, a lot of preparation that just needs to be done before the curtain actually opens? Well, I I believe if I could say that the stage has been set. John has given us the three major issues that we need to have in order to see or begin to be participating in the unfolding of this gospel drama, if you would. And those three issues, you remember, are these. Three most basic, fundamental issues. First, Jesus is I think you can look in your notes and you can say that. Jesus is divine. Secondly, Jesus became a man. Remember, we call it the incarnation. He became a man. Verse 14. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And third, Jesus is the Lamb of God who does what? He births us and baptizes us. Well, He's the Lamb of God and He's a baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe now the Apostle is ready to get, if you would, the play going. We're all sitting. We're all getting ready. We're all anxious to participate in what God is about to do in this particular drama. And so in verses 35 to 51 is the beginning of the unfolding of the rest of the story. How do these truths, how does this table that has been set, how does all of this monumental information and truth get applied? What is the good of it? Well, we we will see that this morning, hopefully. Father, this morning as we share your word, Father, we ask for ability and accuracy. Father, ability by the Holy Spirit and accuracy by the Holy Spirit. Ability to speak and be accurate. Ability to hear and receive your word and accurately apply it to our hearts. Father, ability and accuracy is needed on both transmission and reception. Father, would you use your word this morning to further encourage us to perhaps bring correction where that needs to be, to give us emboldenment to speak, Father, to excite our hearts in knowing that we are co-workers with you in the building of this kingdom that has been inaugurated through the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Father, we ask for your help because we are so needy of it and you are so desirous of giving it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get a testimony? Can I get a testimony? Just by uplifted hands, did anyone last week when we were ministered to by the Holy Spirit for the filling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, did anyone receive from God what you were asking last week? Anyone at all? You can raise your hands high. Several. Several received. Did anyone receive a a manifesting gift with the filling of the Holy Spirit? Anyone at all? A manifesting gift. Eddie and Aaron and some others. You see, God is at work. And He wants us to be giving clear and accurate testimony of what He's doing among us. How many of us were saved when someone told us about Jesus? How many of us were saved because someone told us something about Jesus some way, okay? I think what happens is the gospel is being disseminated through personal contact, through personal testimony. You see, this is the way that most of us came into reality realizing that we needed to be saved. 
and how to be saved, someone came alongside of us. Maybe it was a friend with whom we had walked for years. Perhaps it was a parent. Perhaps it was just as a, quote, chance encounter. But some kind of way, we heard the gospel from someone. It could have even been at a Billy Graham crusade. Someone giving a testimony, even to a large group of people. But someone saying something about the gospel that the Holy Spirit used to energize our hearts to receive Christ. And this morning, hopefully we are and will continue to be, in a greater way, willing and ready to give personal testimonies concerning what Jesus has done for us. If I were to ask you by upraised hands without any fear of having to come down here, how many of your lives have been substantively changed since you have known Jesus? You see, look, look, look around. Just keep the hands up. Look at the numbers of testimonies just in here of people who have not just had a casual encounter, but a life-changing encounter, so much so that we can say, my life is not the same in many areas, perhaps across the board. You see, we must be willing to give a testimony. You remember what Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, How then shall they call upon Him, upon God, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a testimony? A testimony. A preacher, a friend, a sharing. How do we expect the gospel to go from us to someone else without a speaking forth of the reality and of the power and of the issues that have occurred in us and that we have experienced? It's a testimony, you see. God is ready to give and wanting to give. I remember years ago, I was working at Lions Center. I've shared this before. It's about 1964. I was in my third year of college. And one day, a man was hired. His name was Charlie Rodriguez. He was hired to be a laborer. He was hired to clean up the area, to sweep, to mop, clean the toilets. Just a kind of a run-of-the-mill Average, uneducated, unsophisticated man. You know, someone that you would very easily just kind of pass on the street and he's gone. No flashiness, just someone who would blend into the crowd and you never see him. And yet, when that man came on staff, I, as a young college man, was immediately drawn to him. Something on the inside of me was compelling me as if I was being shoved to be with him. And so during the regular hours during which I would work, I would, of course, do my own work. And then at 5.30 when my time was over, I literally walked around the recreation complex there with him as he would mop the floors, as he would do the work of janitoring. 
as a little puppy dog was following behind someone. I was drawn to him. There was something compelling about this man. He was not educated. That didn't compel me. It wasn't his looks. It wasn't anything of a natural kind of a compelling nature. It was a something that I had never experienced before. It was as if two invisible arms had come out and had grabbed me and were drawing me in. There was something about this man that I had to know and that I had to have. There was something there. And he began to share with me. Just share with me more from the life of King David than anyone else as I remember. And the result of it was, at the end of this process, if you would, the Lord saved me. God got a hold of me. You see, here was a man who came into my life and God used in an anointing way, in a powerful way, with a testimony and grabbed an unsuspecting young man who was not even looking for Jesus. You see, the passage this morning before us emphasizes the important significance of personal testimonies, people telling people about Jesus. What is a testimony? A testimony is an affirmative declaration of fact. It's not just telling someone something about something. It is an affirmative declaration based on fact, based on personal knowledge of the testifier. Personal knowledge. A testimony, typically, I would think, from the definition, has two parts. First, it's an affirmative declaration of fact. It has to be said verbally. There is a verbal communication, a speaking forth, not just an assumption that they're going to get the facts in a way that they need, just if I live in a way that I need to live. That is certainly critical. But there has to be a verbalization. You see, the gospel has to be verbally communicated. You remember what Romans 10:17 says. And faith, the faith to be saved, comes from what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hearing by someone saying something. The gospel has to be verbally, specifically, accurately communicated. It's no good if someone sees how wonderful you are and what God is doing in your life and you don't tell them the what, the how, the why of what is occurring in your life. You see, a testimony cannot only be what Jesus has done for me, but must have the Word of God as its substance. And so when we begin to share our testimony about what Jesus has done for me, we begin to share it on the basis of the authority of the Word of God to back up and to accentuate and to bolster what Jesus has done for me. And so it's just not a testimony of experience, it's a testimony of the knowledge of the Word of God that I have experienced and that also you may be able to experience. We must be ready to give a testimony. 
You see, in order to give an accurate testimony of the gospel, we must have a knowledge of the Word of God. And as our knowledge of the Word of God increases, the accuracy and the power of our testimony will also increase. So, affirmative declaration of fact. It must be verbally communicated. Second, a testimony must have personal knowledge of the testifier. Can you imagine someone testifying in court about a particular issue? A fire is raging and they're asking you, well, what happened here? I saw this, I saw that, and I saw the other thing. And then the next lawyer gets up and says, were you at the fire? No, I wasn't there. (laughs) You know, what, what was that testimony about? A testimony has validity and power because it's something that has been personally experienced. You have personal knowledge of it. You're an eyewitness. You were there. See, a witness is a person who has seen or was present at an event and so has direct knowledge of it. And so what are you testifying to? You're testifying to that which you have had personally received through some experience in your life. Can you imagine at the same fire? Your house has been burned to the ground. And your neighbor says to you, I saw the whole thing. I saw who did it, how they did it, when they did it. And you ask your neighbor, well, would you tell the police? Oh, no, no. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say a word. What is the good of a witness if the witness doesn't testify? What is the good of our experiencing the gospel and experiencing all the activity and the power and the life-changingness of the Holy Spirit in us if we're going to keep it to ourselves? Can you imagine a witness refusing to testify? In fact, we have a couple of lawyers in here this morning. I might be correct that if there is a witness and they do refuse to testify, I think that the law can be brought against them. Is that correct, Bill? Sometimes. See, Bill's not going to commit himself unequivocally to this. And so, you see, we must testify. The good lawyer over there, you're right. Can we imagine a witness who doesn't testify? I saw someone who beat up your son. What's your first question? Who did it? Oh, no, I'm not going to tell you. So, you see, witnessing... And testifying are the same issue, but two sides of the same issue. So John 1, 35 to 51, I think, gives us at least three basic elements for an effective testimony. There's the power, the relationship, and the message of a testimony. The power... I'm calling the second one the relationship. I just couldn't get a better word for that. If you have a better one, please tell me later. And the message. First of all, the power of our testimony as believers. Why is there so much anxiety in sharing Jesus? Why is there so much anxiety in giving a testimony with others? I think it's probably a number of factors, but probably at the base of the reason 
is a lack of dependence upon the Holy Spirit. You see, too often we feel that as I give a testimony, as I share, if I'm going to open my mouth and say something, I must have full knowledge, full ability, full what word do I want? Under controlness, if you would, of this whole affair in order for it to do what God wants it to do. And that is not correct. We certainly must be ready. We certainly must have prayed. We certainly must have been in the Word. We certainly must have done all the homework. But you see, the power of a testimony is always the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You remember what Jesus said in Acts 1.8? He says, hang around. You men and women are about to embark on the greatest testimony adventure the world has ever seen. Hang around, though. You're about to go out there and speak of the greatest wonders the world has and will ever see. The shedding forth, the giving forth of the Holy Spirit, the gathering of the family of God, the birth and the growth of the church, the great mystery of God upon the earth. You're about ready to be the witnesses and the testifiers. But Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. Before you go, do what? Stay here because in a few days you will receive the gift being baptized in the Holy Spirit and you will testify of me. You see, the Holy Spirit is given so we may be witnesses who are able to testify as He does the leading and as He does the empowering in that witnessing and testifying. You see, John's testimony depended upon the work of the Holy Spirit. It depended directly upon the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at John chapter 1. Remember verses 33 and 34, just to kind of go back before our verses this morning. What did John say? And he says, I did not recognize Jesus. But he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him. This is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. He said, I didn't recognize who Jesus was. I didn't recognize Jesus' works. I was not aware of what to do and what was going on until, you see, the Holy Spirit came into the picture And opened my eyes and illumined me and gave me revelation and gave me a message first in me and a message through me. And so, as a result, John was able to confidently and accurately point others to Jesus. Outside of the revelation and the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, John would not have been able to point to Jesus at all. He would have missed him completely. And so... What is the substance of the power of our testimony? It's not what I say. It's not even really how well I know the Word, although I need to know the Word. It's my dependence upon the Holy Spirit and my cooperation with the Holy Spirit as He gives me opportunity. And so what happened? Look at John chapter 1, verses 35 to 36, the first two verses of our text this morning. And again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked upon Jesus as he walked and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, that doesn't seem like much. But you see, when John says that, 
he is saying it not only under the inspiration, but under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What was the result? What happened? There's the Lamb of God. Well, the result was that the Holy Spirit not only moved John to testify, but he moved the disciples who were with John to hear the testimony and to receive the testimony and to walk according to that testimony to go follow Jesus. The testimonies responded, and the disciples responded by following Jesus. Verse 37, John 1, 37. And the two disciples heard John speak, and they followed Jesus. What moved them to respond? Why did they respond? It wasn't just because John said, Behold the Lamb of God. Although that in itself could have been enough of the issue for the Holy Spirit to move them toward Jesus. It could have been. But what moved them was this man whom they knew. This man who so exuded the presence and power of God in his life. What moved me when Charlie Rodriguez began to speak were not just words, but out of this man came a power and an anointing that moved me to respond to the words that he was saying. So you see the connection here between being a witness and being a testifier. You see, John's life so exuded the presence of God that when he spoke, they listened. Isn't there a commercial when, who was it? E.F. Hutton speaks what? People listen. Of course, the question is, do they listen when I speak? You see, they encountered a compelling witness who had a compelling testimony. This is what they came in contact with. They weren't even aware of it. All they knew is they had been walking with John for a period of time and watching the Holy Spirit move this man and move upon this man and use this man in a great and mighty ministry of preaching the Word where hundreds and even maybe thousands were coming down to the Jordan to be baptized and were repenting of sin. And these guys knew this man, John, is of God. And whatever he says, we need to listen to it and obey it. And when he says, Behold the Lamb of God, and he points away from himself to Jesus... That work of the Holy Spirit in John that has energized and empowered John in such a way to be so compelling a witness, energized through his testimony these disciples to leave John and find Jesus. That's the kind of witness you see God wants us to be. As I desire to be a witness and a man who testifies, to what extent... Am I or are we depending upon the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are people going to Jesus because of our testimonies? Do people want to know Jesus because of my life? Well, why was John such an effective witness? You see, it's not that just John saw something 
Therefore, he had a testimony. You see, he, he, he knew someone. John knew Jesus. Look at the next verse, verse 36. And John looked upon Jesus as he walked. John had a compelling personal knowledge of Jesus. He had a compelling personal knowledge of Jesus. He spent time with Jesus. He knew the Word of God. He knew the Old Testament. And when Jesus came onto the scene and began to minister, the Holy Spirit began to whisper in John's ear, This is the promised Messiah. This is He. This is the Great One. This is the one for whom we have been waiting for all these centuries. This is the culmination of all the ages. This is the one. And he is going to be the Lamb of God who will purchase your salvation and be the baptizer in the Holy Spirit who will apply your salvation in power. And so John, you see, knows Jesus. His life is characterized by not just glancing at Jesus occasionally and giving Jesus a few minutes of his time at a coffee break and spending a few moments with Jesus during prayer. It's wonderful to do these things. But he made his life's goal and ambition and passion to know one person only thoroughly. That's all you have to know. All you ever have to know is one person thoroughly. That's all you need to know. And that person is Jesus Christ. You don't need to know anyone or anything else. Once you know Him thoroughly and to the extent that you know Him thoroughly, we will be absolutely equipped to deal with any and everything in life and be able to give testimony to the power of God in a very compelling way. John knew Jesus. He kept keeping his eyes on Jesus. Am I doing that? Are we doing that as a church? Could we say that our lives are a preoccupation with Jesus and occasionally we look at other things such as work and television and magazines and whatever. But the substance of our gaze and the substance of our preoccupation is Jesus Christ. One of the young fellows and his wife went on a little vacation to Disney World. Now, I don't promote Disney World. That's not what this is about. I don't do it, but I want to give it as an example. I don't want you to misconstrue this. I don't promote Disney World. I'm not going to preach against it because we don't have enough time. But <laughs> And I said, when you go, it was Chips over here. Chips, raise your hand. Everybody doesn't know your real name. Eric's name is Chips. And I said, when you go, brother, look around and see and learn as much about the presence of Jesus Christ as you can. Use every opportunity to know something more about God. Just don't go on a vacation and have a good time. That's fine. And chill out and relax and have fun. That's great. But use it as an opportunity within the context of enjoying yourself to learn more. In other words, be preoccupied with knowing Jesus Christ in your vacation, in your job, in your family, in your relationships. Amen? Get to know Him. 
problem that all, most of us have is that our testimonies are weak. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit overcomes that in power because we don't know Jesus enough. Am I spending enough quality and quantity time with Jesus to be a compelling witness? Am I spending enough time? What would the message be? Remember, a testimony is something that is said. A testimony is a message. It must say something. It must give out information. It has a purpose. What was the content of John's testimony? You see, behold, the Lamb of God is the content of the testimony that you see in verse 36. That's the content of the testimony. What am I going to talk about if someone asks me about Jesus? Well, if you have been spending time with Him in the Word and in prayer, in worship and corporate gatherings, covenant groups and ministering and being ministered to, And just allowing your life to be a receptacle of the Spirit's pouring in of the experiences of knowing Him. You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. I mean, if someone asked you, why did LSU lose yesterday, what you're going to say? You don't have to say, well, what am I going to say if they ask me? All of a sudden, things are going to be coming out of your mouth. (laughs) Stuff is going to be flowing. Kevin McGarry told me the other day, I think I get this testimony right. If I didn't, Kevin can correct us. (coughs) He's not had great success in sharing the gospel with his daddy over the years. And the other day, he and his daddy were together. And again, I don't know all the details. And Kevin just kind of began to say a few words about we're studying the gospel of John and, you know. Oh, and the daddy became interested. And I think that I'm correct. I don't know whether Kevin's in here right now. I think your daddy said he was also reading. And Kevin said, well, why don't we go through it together? Now, the reason Kevin doesn't have teeth in his mouth this morning because the daddy said yes and his teeth fell. (laughs) He said yes. Now, Kevin, if you know Kevin, is going to be kind of a timid guy and... You know, he's going just, to just be ready. Is it in your heart? Remember the song, I got to tell somebody, I got to tell somebody, I got to tell somebody. Amen. AJ, I remember a testimony you gave several years ago. While, and again, I don't remember the details. AJ's just sitting there with somebody at a table doing something. And he said, out of my mouth came all this about the Word and about God and about the Lord and about my life. And their life. He said, I didn't even know where it was all coming from. Remember that? You see, out of your innermost beings will flow the testimony of God. If we would just open our mouths to give a testimony. But it must be the gospel which is the testimony. Listen to this from the Apostle Paul. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. He says, I made known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you that which of first importance that I also received from Christ, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, 
that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. The Gospel must be the content. Start talking about anything. Manipulate. Move conversations around. Go into circumstances and relationships with the predisposed decision that I'm going to take the first inkling of an opportunity, even if they blink wrong, to begin to turn the conversation toward the Lord. You don't have to go in there with a big Bible and, Thus saith the Lord, you will all go to hell. You don't have to go in there. You just be there and be ready. Be ready to share what God has done in your life. Don't get worried about this thing. I like this word, chill out. Trust God. Do the work of the background of being a witness, and God will do the rest of the work. As I open my mouth and are ready to give a testimony and want to give a testimony. The question you see is, Every one of us who are saved are witnesses of Christ. Every one of us. And we all give testimony. The question is, what kind of a testimony is my life giving? What is my life saying about Jesus Christ? It's not an issue where I don't testify. If you are saved, you do testify. Now, say that again. If you are saved, you do testify. The question is not, do I testify? The question is, what is it that I'm testifying to? What is my testimony content? Well, can I give a testimony? Can I give one? When we look at John chapter 1, 37 to 51, I believe we see the compelling, the result of being a compelling witness with compelling testimonies. Let's look at these verses. Being a testimony. Let's look at these verses to see what happened. When people are simply testifying, when Jesus himself is testifying, when one man is testifying to another. Let's see what's happening here. John 1, 37 to 51. And the two disciples heard John speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and he said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. Now, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked on him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And the next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, and the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, Come on and see. No arguing. Just come see. Come see. Just won't you come see? Taste 
and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What is the essential activity in testifying like this? It's yet personal relationships. Personal relationships. This one knew that one, and he found that one, and he got this one. They went over there and found this one. Jesus said to him, he deals with him, ministers to him. He goes over here, and all of a sudden, there begins to become a networking of personal relationships. You know, the Holy Spirit has well used and blessed this church evangelistically through alphas and through Operation Replants. And through pivots and celebration services and youth meetings and a lot of other types of evangelistic meetings. But we must remember that the Lord's, I think, primary method of calling others into the kingdom is person to person. Let us not be a people that depend upon Alpha Operation Replant, what Jeff's going to preach, and what Matt's going to preach, and what Keith's going to preach. But let us also personally be ready to preach the gospel when the Holy Spirit gives us opportunity. It's that person-to-person relationship. Do you remember in John chapter 4, the woman at the well? She's a cast-out woman. She's a woman of the streets. And Jesus sitting with her talking. And her whole life is transformed By the power of this man whom she has met. And what was the result of her being a witness, a personal encountering with the God of glory in Jesus Christ? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men. Now it's interesting, she didn't say to the women, but she said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I have ever done. Is this not the Christ? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. And from that city, many of the Samaritans believed on him because of the word or the testimony of the woman. What do we want our lives to be? What do we want God to be able to say about our lives on the day of judgment? Oh, I wish you'd have testified more. I gave you many opportunities. No. But we want him to say, well done, thou good and faithful testifier to my presence and to my power and to my glory. You see, testimonies is the method of God transmitting the glory of His gospel which has come to each one of us individually as witnesses of the very person of Christ. It is the testimony, the testifying and the outgiving of that life which I have received. Now I give it out so others also may be able to receive. How can we mature in this? How do we grow in this? Number 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. The apostle is talking to the church. He's going to be talking about the suffering of the church. And he says, you will, I'm sorry, sanctify your Christ. Sanctify Christ. Set Him apart as Lord in your hearts. And always be ready to make a defense, to give a testimony 
to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. The apostle says, get ready, get ready, be prepared. How to be prepared? Two ways of being prepared. First, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Pursue inner transformation more vigorously through the study of the Word, through prayer, through accountability, through covenant groups, through celebration services, through all the means that God gives to us. Sanctify Christ in as Lord in your hearts. How? Through all these ways that God gives to us, all the means of grace. Let us become a more transformed group of people. So when we come in contact with others, they are going to want to hear what is so different and alluring to our lives. I had to know what was in Charlie Rodriguez. I had to know what was going on in that man. I had to know. It was not a casual encounter. I just had to know. You see, we want to be that kind of a people, don't we? Then we must be more thoroughly sanctified or transformed by the Word of God. So much more to say, but you know, the problem with a sermon like this is you have to leave out 99% of everything. Secondly, always be ready to make a defense. Always be ready. Be ready. When you're at a table somewhere, I was at a table the other day, just doing my little stuff, minding my own business, which I never do. I'm not going to mind my business. I want to be out in the open, out in public, and I want to have my radar open and ready and looking around and smelling and watching and looking as a lion looks for prey. I want to be a person who looks for prey. I want to be a person who looks for opportunities to say something about the greatest work of God in all the world, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the transformation of my life. I want to be ready to say something all the time, don't you see? So we're sitting there, and I'm sitting here, two ladies sitting right over there, and they're trying to figure out, do you remember where you were there? You know, those, that, those suspenders you gave me didn't work, but he told me they were, what, garters or something, so I'm going to have to wear them next week. And they were talking about some word she was getting all wrong. Pentecost, I think it was. And she was trying to say this. I said, Pentecost. She looked at me. I said, you're talking about Pentecost. Oh, so she went on. I don't think it was that, but whatever it is. And she said a few more things. And so, you see, I just had to say something because what she was saying was not biblically accurate. Somebody had to say something. So they left abruptly. (laughs) And so... I see the lady in the next two or three days, whatever, she goes back. And I said, oh, I hope I wasn't being obnoxious. I wasn't hoping that at all. But at least I was going to lie that way. And she says, no, my friend had to go catch a plane. She says, but what church do you go to? Who are you? You see? Look for opportunities. If there are none, create them. Mm, I mean that. Jesus created an opportunity at the well. Would you give me a little water? He knew when he said that, the whole thing would be changed. 
create opportunities. Man, it's hot out here. Well, you don't know. It's hotter in hell than it is here. And I'm thankful I'm not going. What do you mean? Why do you think that? Just use opportunities. Come on. Think how much God gives us to use. Have a testimony. Recognize God's specific work in your life. Recognize it. And if you're like I am, you forget, write it down. Secondly, remember God's specific work. We're talking about specific testimonies. And then recite God's specific work in your life. Recite it. Recognize, remember, and recite. God is doing a whole bunch of stuff among us. And if you can't remember, take a notebook out. Write it down. And when you get to with your friends or whatever, and they bring up the subjects, take out your notebook. It's okay. Holy Spirit, move on them. Let's be a people who testify to the truth. You see, this is another reason, perhaps one of the greatest reasons, why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why we need to receive a greater empowerment of God in our lives. I think this morning the Holy Spirit wants to minister some things in our lives concerning two issues. Are we a witness? And to what extent have we witnessed Christ? And being witnesses, what testimony will we give? Because God's joy is always being bragged on. God's joy is always being bragged on. And testimony does what? You ought to know my Father. You ought to know my God. Amen. Thank you, Peter. We want to do something very practical, very, very practical in this realm first. Many of you filled this out last week. The little card says, can I get a witness? Um, these kind of little things help you create in your mind a bit of a mental catalog about the way in which you have experienced Jesus Christ in your life. And the first step to you being able to share a witness about what you've experienced and who Jesus Christ is, is being aware of what it is that you'd share. Some, you need some kind of a little file system in your mind. And so let me ask everybody to do this again. If you haven't filled this form out, if you weren't here last week or for some reason you didn't fill it out, or if you're remembering last week, I didn't put my name on it. I know you asked me to do it, but I didn't put my name on it. Now you're a mysterious witness to us because we can't figure out who you are. You've got a great story, but we don't know who you are. Um, what we're wanting you to do with this form is a little explanation line there. In what areas of your life could you recount a story of God's grace that has greatly affected your faith? And it may be many of these categories. You could check off several of them. Well, then do that. You know, one of the things about testimonies is you'll find yourself in different settings. One minute you're with a person who's struggling in an area of sin that you happen to struggle with as well. And they're having a hard time and their marriage is falling apart or they're, they're in some kind of debilitating situation. And you're able to say, can I just share with you what made a huge difference in my life? 
and you begin to tell your story and about how Jesus Christ made all the difference in the world in that category. Or somebody who's having financial problems in their life. Well, you have a testimony of a financial provision about how God met you. So the first thing I want to ask us to do is, if you haven't filled this out from last week, that you check off all the boxes that pertain to you. And then you would just maybe sketch a quick little statement or two about a couple of top ones. If it's your salvation testimony or freedom from an area of sin or just a miraculous way that God financially provided for you or a healing that took place in your life. When somebody laid hands on you and prayed for you or you experienced a, a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. You know, write that out real quick. You know, and, you know, three years ago, I had a person come pray for me. And I, that's all you need to do. Just, and I experienced a healing of this particular issue in my life. Just a little highlight. What this is going to help us to do is going to help us to make use of the testimonies that are in your lives for the sake of encouraging others. And, and I want to bring us back to that. And you go ahead and start filling this out while I'm just sharing a couple more thoughts and then we're going to pray together. One of the things that you find, and Peter showed a couple of these examples from John chapter 1 and elsewhere in John, is people who encountered Christ and they experienced him and their means of witness was come and see. Over and over again, that's what you hear them say. They didn't just sit down and, and say, let me argue with you. Let me corner you with all the information I have. One of the most powerful things they could ever do, and they all did it very naturally. They didn't have a class on discipleship going on yet, just yet for these guys. was come and see. And when somebody would argue with them, come and see. Come see for yourself. Now, follow this out because I think it's very important for us to realize this. What they were essentially saying was, come and see the body of Christ. That's what they were saying. Now, the address for the body of Christ was one man who wore a body. His name was Jesus Christ, who walked about on planet Earth. Come and see him. And you had to go find where he was. And when you brought people there, they could have an encounter as well. Well, today, Jesus Christ is present today in the form of the body of Christ. And so there should be, there should be in our lives, the personal sharing of our lives and also a come and see. Come and see. Come and see people's lives transformed. Come and, come and see the power of God demonstrated. Come and hear the testimonies. One of the reasons that you're doing this is you're going to hear some of these testimonies in your own covenant groups. And you hear somebody who's had an incredible encounter I mean, I don't know how many times I've, I've heard somebody who, you know, had an addiction in their life. And they wrestled through and that thing was destroying their life. And Jesus showed up in their life and totally transformed them. They're sitting in these meetings today with a healed life. And then you come across somebody who's had an addiction going on in their life. And their life is being totally wrecked. And maybe that wasn't your experience, but you'd love for these two to get together, wouldn't you? And you might even actually arrange that. Well, if you knew in your, in your covenant group was a person who went through an experience and you're talking to a friend at work, you might say, hey, come and see. Why don't you come with me to my next covenant group? I, mean, I want to introduce you to somebody who, who their life is just like yours. They've got an incredible story to tell you. But I, I want to I make us realize something. When the body of Christ is gathered together, it's an opportunity for people to come and see something. Or is it? That's a good question, isn't it? You want anybody to come see your covenant group? No, really, I'll, I'll be honest. Well, yes and no. 
people, if you'd be concerned about inviting somebody to come and see Jesus Christ in your covenant group, well, then you ought to be owning your covenant group very differently. There's a testimony that should be taking place there. If you don't see it taking place, then you need to question your own life and how you pray for the group. How can, you, how can this group become a demonstration of Jesus Christ to the world so that somebody can come and see? One of the reasons why Alpha is so effective here is because people have experienced God at it. And so they go off and they get somebody else to come. They come one night or they come through a whole alpha. They get saved and they, they go out and they find other friends. Come and see. Well, I don't know about all that religion stuff, you know. Come and see. I mean, you don't have all the answers for everybody's issues, but you invite them. Come and see. You bring them to a service where the presence of God is. And the gifts of God are moving. And the power of God is present. The word of God is piercing hearts. And you have an opportunity to go out and grab this person and say, come and see. And they may argue with you just like Nathaniel did. Oh, come on. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Huh. Come and see. We'll see what you say then. The body of Christ needs to be that place. This is a place to come and see. As we go out and witness and bring people to experience Jesus Christ. So every setting, every setting, guys. Uh, the, the ministry that, that Jeff does with the, the youth. The table. The place of youth coming together ought to be a place where young people are going out and saying, come and see. I don't like going to church. It's boring. It's Come and see. And when you've experienced something, you've got something for people to hear about. So let's do this together. If you, if you have your card filled out, please maybe just drop that off on your way out. Can anybody remember to do that? Maybe click it, stick it to your forehead so you don't forget on the way out. And drop it at the book nook. Make sure we get that so we're able to collect some testimonies. But let's stand together. such an emphasis on the power of the Spirit and our witness. This longing that Jesus had in His heart that one day He would would come as the body of Christ on earth. The power of God would all be in Him. The character of God. The love of God. The very presence of God on earth was traveling incarnate on roads and into towns and villages and cities. And and people could bring the lame and the broken and the possessed and the problemed into the presence of Jesus Christ and something would happen to them. And Lord Jesus, you look for the day as you walk with your disciples and they saw and experienced the power of your life and your presence. And you said, you wait in Jerusalem. And you're going to be clothed with power. And when the Holy Spirit comes and fills you, you will be my witnesses. Our witness is a power event. It's light overpowering the darkness. It is truth crushing lies. Lord, this is a powerful thing that you've called us to do. 
It's not just words that we share. It's not just arguments with one point lined upon another. God, it's much bigger than that. So, Lord, what we need, what we need this morning is we need power from you. We need compelling from you. Lord, some of us need power. And God, I pray right now you're opening our hearts to receive. God, some of us need power this morning to overcome the fear of giving a testimony. The awkwardness. The sense of intrusion as we, as Peter shared, bring up the truths of the gospel or or interject our experience about the grace of God into a conversation that wasn't going in that direction. We need power. Because you're calling us to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You're calling for there to be a compelling story to be told. God, would you, would you do a work in us that so resonates in us? It so makes our lives vibrate with energy, and with effect, and with joy, and with enthusiasm. Now, Lord, it's, it's more difficult for us to contain that than we find ourselves recently being able to do spirit of god would you come and would you awaken us from the dead would you give us such a glimpse of you that fills our lives with such joy and such newness and such hope god give this room and every one of us in it a fresh sense of the hope that's come into our lives lord something philip experienced something from you so much so that he was going to go out and find other people say you've got to come and see you've got to come see this Come see what? Lord, give us a sense of what it is that we're inviting people to see. God, it just can't be an obligation. God, this just can't be a guilt trip message. People can't go out onto the streets because they feel guilty that they didn't share a testimony. Just go out and guilt their way into telling people, oh, you've got to hear about Jesus. God, give us a sense of you. Give us a sense of how you've solved our life's problem. Give us a sense of future and hope that's in us. God, that no matter what happens to our finances or to these bodies, the eternal realities are set in our hearts. Who you are compels us to go to someone else and with great joy to be able to invite them. Come and see. Come and taste and see. Oh, the Lord is good. Are you thirsty? Come and drink. And out of your innermost being, just like out of mine, will flow rivers of living water. Come get life. Come experience what Jesus Christ does. Who He is. Lord, I pray that that would occur all over our hearts this morning. Lord, a deeper work of reality of who You are. A deeper reminder, God, as we sit down with these cards and we recount and remember the ditch that our life was in. The way our lives were falling apart. The brokenness of our bodies. The financial crunch that we were facing. And then You came. You did such a work in our lives that we would be compelled by that work to talk about the one who did that work. And God, I pray beyond that, Lord, you would give us a sense of the powerful testimony of your body on earth today. God, and as we gather together, there is power in our midst. There's transformation transformation taking place, God. There's salvation taking place. People who have been in bondage, who have believed lies all their lives. God, they've been in darkness and they can't see the truth. But until last week, until a month ago, those who were given up and wanted to commit suicide or who were in bondage and were depressed. But a year later, three months later, their lives are lit and they glow like a fire. You've come in and you've made all the difference in the world. 
They're in our testimony, in our covenant groups, giving testimony about what you've done. And in our hearts, we have all these testimonies stored up, and we're running around telling people, "Come and see. You got to come hear this guy. You got to come meet this guy. He meets in a small group with me every couple of weeks. Come, just come and see. Come check it out." And God's touching people's lives. Lord, we want to be a community of witness. We want the vitality of your life here. We want it in our hearts. We want more deeply to be affected by the work that you've done. Lord, this is not a message about some holy obligation that we are all under. Lord, this is about rivers of living water that are bursting out, that are squeezing out. Lord, blow the lids off of us with what you do and who you are to us. Compel us all the more. God, if we are silent, it's because we've not had a sufficient encounter with you. I don't think Jesus had to tell Philip. Philip, now make sure you tell somebody that you and I bumped into each other. It was in him. His eyes were open and the reality of truth was came to bear. Lord, it doesn't appear that Philip saw you raise somebody from the dead. That would come. Lord, all he encountered was his eyes were powerfully open to the truths of the Word of God. This is the one Moses spoke about. Lord, that's a revelation that came. God, give us that kind of revelation of you that we want to go tell others. Oh, can't you see? He's the Messiah, for goodness sake. Lord, our silence gives away our lack of experiencing you. Make us to be a people who cannot but help to talk about you when there is opportunity to do so. That we might give a witness and others might receive light in their lives. And do you have a song that we can close with? Let's close with a song together. Now you are highly 
source of our testimony. Lord, may it be the compelling factor that draws those around us to want to know the joy that we have, the peace that we've experienced, God, this life that we have come to know in you. Lord, may there be a magnetism, Lord, radiating out from our lives that draws people to want to see and hear when, when we say, come and see and hear the message that I've heard that has changed my life. Lord, may that be our experience for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you.